And welcome to a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Joining me now, Eric Snodgrass with Nutrient Ag Solutions as we talk weather. Eric, let's just start, set this up. Let's talk about our weather year to date so far. Give us a recap of how things have been the last few weeks. Yeah, for most parts across the country in a very favorable way. We've watched drought be reduced. We've had some really good cold air that came in in January, mid-January. Uh, we put down a bunch of snow that we then melted, and a lot of that got soaked into the ground. The Mississippi has recovered. Uh, the only place that's really missed out on, on really good moisture has been kind of the northern tier of the United States. So I'm thinking, you know, from uh, Montana over toward the UP, the whole northern tier of the U.S. getting the Canadian prairie has been left out of the flow. And that's primarily been because We've had a strong subtropical jet stream, but not a strong polar jet stream. Now, February has come in very, very mild. So far through the first 12 days of this month, the temperatures are, when you compare them to the last 132 years, for most of the central part of North America, like the whole of it, it's the warmest we've got on record. But of course, that's going to change soon with some colder air that's trying to get here. But Overall, I like it. I like the way that this winter shaped up in terms of getting us prepared for 2024. There has been soil moisture recovery. There's good mountain snowpack in the West. The Colorado Basin's at like 95% of its normal snowpack, which means the Colorado River will be running this spring. Overall, not a bad go, despite the wild fluctuations in temperatures. Well, I know we have a few different things in front of us we want to talk about, but let's start here in the near term. How are things looking for this week ahead I'm hearing some of those rumblings of maybe a little bit cooler air trying to sneak in, as you were mentioning there a little bit. So are we going to see that this week? What are we looking at? We will. We're just going to have to wait till the end of the week. First, we've got a system that over the weekend put down a lot of severe weather in the south, including some very heavy rainfall across the south. It's also one that put down snow in parts of the panhandles getting back to New Mexico and Colorado over the weekend. Well, that system's heading toward New England, and it's going to be a bit of a mess as that system rolls into New England tomorrow. We're going to be hitting some of the major cities in New England, like New York to Boston and every city in between with some really heavy snow. There might be a couple of places that pick up over a foot of snow. I don't think it'll be in the city. New York City, but possibly Boston gets hit pretty hard out of this. So that system rolls through. And then finally, we have something I've wanted for a while. There's actually two good sized clippers that roll through the northern plains. Could add some snow into Montana and maybe into South Dakota. Could hit the Great Lakes with some snow as well. I love seeing that. But uh, at the end of the week, we're going to watch really cold air enter from Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba into North Dakota and Montana. So high temperatures will go back into the teens in that area. And the big question is how far to the south and how long does that last as it gets into the midsection of the country? And right now, I don't think it's going to last terribly long, um, not more than a few days, but uh, at least it's cold air. I mean, we haven't seen any in a long time, so uh, we'll Mm -hmm. pay attention to how, how long it lasts once it gets here. All right. We will definitely keep our eyes on that. And uh, I'm with you watching a couple of those clipper systems. We'll see uh, what they bring us here in the next uh, week or so ahead. And Eric, you and I were chatting before we uh, went live here. Uh, You're watching something interesting in the Pacific Ocean right now that you told me could have an effect on our March forecast. So talk about this a little bit. What are you seeing right now? I haven't seen the Pacific Polar Jet. That's the northern one all winter long. It's just not been there. And starting around the 23rd and 24th of this month, some of the models are hinting at it coming back. Now, what does that even mean? Um, We've been dominated by the subtropical jet, which means very weak flow over central North America. If that Pacific jet on the polar side comes back, 
well, then it gives us a whole new look. I mean, we could go into a very, very active march in the midsection of the country, in the southeast, up the east coast. Uh, and I can't really rule out the west coast not seeing a lot of activity out of this. Now, that's in March. The west coast is going to hit before we end February, twice more. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see what this could do. Now, it could lead to a pretty active March in terms of severe weather as well. So I want to keep everybody aware that that's a potential out of this. But my goodness, before we really get going hard into April and May, I'd love to have a lot of March weather. I'm talking, shoot, drop in a blizzard. I don't care. Bring in moisture. I just need it. <laughs> I need it so that we can get in, you know, kind of prepared for, um, you know, prepared for this upcoming growing season. So it's kind of a good sign. Definitely a good sign. You mentioned severe weather too. I don't want to backtrack, but what was it last weekend? We saw tornadoes in Wisconsin. That's not yeah. something we see in February. Is it? No, no, it's not. But I mean, remember when that set up there, we, we had temperatures in Illinois, just to the south, you know, we're, we were trying to knock on the door 60 degrees. So mm -hmm. we opened up just a lot of warm, unstable air and popped off a, a tornado. I believe it has been ranked in a strong EF2. I'll have to go back and check. At one point, we thought yeah. it was an EF3 tornado, but we then added to that this past weekend. And by the way, just because you brought it up here, watching the Super Bowl last night, did you see the trailer for the new uh, Twisters movie? I don't know. I, I, I saw. <laughs> so, you know, we're, that movie came out when I was 16, the original one. So to see this kind of remake or sequel or whatever it is, I, I think it'll be pretty exciting to uh, for us to kind of look forward to something this summer. All right, let's move over to South America. Talk to me about what you are seeing in Brazil and Argentina here for the week ahead, Eric. Yeah, it's still wet after a good soaking rain we saw over the weekend in Argentina. It's still going to be wet uh, in, in parts of Argentina going forward. Uh, also, Paraguay is picking up a bunch of rain, and so is northeastern Brazil. We're a bit drier in the center-west area, but they're trying to harvest, which, as I'm sure you saw, like Mato Grosso is still ahead of pace on harvest. It's also even ahead of pace on planting a safrina corn. So the big question is going to be, um, will El Nino show its cards here come April, which would mean drier conditions in the center west area uh, in April, which could hurt the safrina crop as it's going through grain fill. And there's a lot of confusion over what this El Nino is going to do. I'm not sure if you saw this last week, but National Weather Service released their newest outlook for El Nino and La Nina, calling for a, a transition to La Nina by summer. Now, we're not arguing with that. I, I think that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But the misinterpretation of the graphic is what's important. You know, you see that's a it's a probability graphic. It's saying this is the chance of having La Nina, but people are interpreting the size of the, like the blue bar on it as being the strength of the La Nina. And I'll just tell you something. When you look back historically, a couple of our strong El Nino events that transitioned to La Nina, they don't give a clear picture on what summer could be. So, for example, 1988 was a year that did that. So was 2016. And look at the two complete opposite years here in terms of what they did. 88 producing massive drought, 2016 for a lot of folks, especially in the Midwest, we had adequate rains, good rains. It was drier in the Southeast. It was drier in parts of Texas. You know, that was, that was what 16 did. So we just need to be careful with making broad assumptions about the rate at which El Nino declines and La Nina resurfaces. I think the only thing I'm kind of quote unquote confident about is uh, I think we're gonna have an active severe weather season this year, more active than normal. And then I think the hurricane mm -hmm. season is going to be very active come fall, but in between summer rains, I have no clue yet to tell you exactly who's going to get them and who's not. That's why we have to wait mm -hmm. till spring to see the pattern set up. All right. With that, Eric Snodgrass with Nutrien joining us here on American Ag Today. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day.